Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of you, wherever you are in this world. You're listening to Clap Signs. This is Captain Keith. And today's new episode is on the new, brand new Elvis pressing movie called Elvis, directed by Baz Luhrmann, which stars Austin Butler as Elvis Presley and Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker. What can I say about this film? Wow. I truly was engaged. Uh, I was very hesitant and wary about this movie. And I came away feeling things that I didn't think I would feel, like uh, empathy for Elvis Presley on some level. I'm very divided about this film. The film is entertaining. The direction is excellent. The cinematography is amazing. Austin Butler was Elvis Presley. There wasn't one moment in that film where I didn't believe that he wasn't Elvis. It got to the point that even by the time I saw the real Elvis Presley at the at the end, I, I almost didn't believe that was him because <laughs> I got so used to Austin Butler as Elvis. When Lisa Marie Presley made some previous quotes advertising uh, this film in the trailers that Austin channeled her father, she was not lying. That young man killed it, can't even lie. And Tom Hanks was great as Colonel Tom Parker. This film to me was about heroes and villains. And I feel that both of these men played both of those parts. But the way Baz Luhrmann directed this film and the way he came across, he had a specific direction he wanted to go, a, a specific perspective, and he accomplished that. He did. However, Elvis Presley will always be a controversial, problematic, exciting, figure in rock and roll he's all those things he really is but but the way the story was told in this film is narrated from colonel tom parker's perspective and he does a good job <laughs> he does and he wants you to think that he was uh just someone who loved elvis and always had his best interest at heart but that is not the case he was a blessing and a curse to elvis presley Basically, he was the strongest male role model in Elvis's life. And Elvis's father was alive. Vernon was there. We'll, 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 we'll get into that. The film opens up. Colonel Parker is having uh, chest pains. He winds up getting rushed to the hospital. And then you hear in the background about how he destroyed Elvis. And he's like, no, that's not true. Then he starts telling you the story about how he met Elvis and how he help Elvis become this legend. And first and foremost, it's no secret, Elvis has been accused of cultural appropriation. Uh, basically, you could say that he is the first white artist basically to steal black music and become successful from it and call himself the king of rock and roll. There's also accusations that Elvis Presley was racist. However, there's also footage of Elvis Presley meeting with Fats Domino and someone, a reporter saying that calling Elvis Presley the king and Elvis looking at Fats Domino saying, I'm not the king, he's the real king of rock and roll. Elvis Presley did do that. So his legacy is complicated. It's very complicated. There isn't any one king of rock and roll. Like there isn't any one king of hip hop. But getting back to the film itself, like I said, the cinematography was amazing. The story unfolding was very, it was great. It was very intriguing, very enlightening. I didn't realize that Elvis Presley uh, initially grew up in Tupelo, Mississippi. You know, he lived 
uh, in the projects, basically, is one of the few white families amongst other black people. So he had black playmates, of course, and he grew up listening to black music. But keeping it real, in the South, it was nothing for young black people and young white people to grow up listening to country and blues. No one talks about that. So it was nothing for, for the kids to grow up listening to that. And you see Elvis being influenced by black music. Baz Luhrmann gave you the perspective that Elvis wasn't stealing from black people, but that he was just influenced by black people. If you want to make a pro Elvis film to get today's youth into Elvis Presley and to get them interested in Elvis's estate and his catalog, that's the route to go. As far as his perspective is concerned. You know, I think it would have been more interesting to show, yes, he was definitely influenced by black music, but he also took from it and didn't really give credit or payment. <laughs> That's the biggest problem uh, with Elvis Presley. But in this film, you get to see him as a young boy. You get to see his insecurities. You get to see his strength. You get to see his passion for music. And you get to see him, the, the anger and outrage at Elvis, you know, Elvis the pelvis as they would call him. And Elvis was like, that's a horrible nickname to give me. And he was right, but if they're not talking about you, then you're not doing your job. So in the sense that Elvis was Elvis a rock star, boy, yeah, was he? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one came out of Mississippi and Memphis, Tennessee doing what he did, uh, but he, but him in that way. The, the movie shows that he, Love to go to Beale Street and listen to the black musicians perform in the black clubs, like Sister Rosetta Tharp, who basically is the queen of rock and roll, who discovered Little Richard. Baz Luhrmann does a great job in letting you know that she discovered Little Richard. He gives you that. You also see Big Mama Thornton perform uh, uh, Hound Dog, so he gives you that. But you know, because people need to know that Elvis wasn't the first person to do that song. He just took her version and changed it, and and got famous from it i mean he he just kept taking from black people and getting paid he, he just did and you know and there's mention of how he's on sun records and that he's getting airplay but what baz failed to talk about was how race music so and and there was another word for that that's the polite word for it. the other word is with the n-word music so rock and roll used to be regarded with disdain before Elvis Presley came on the scene. So, you know, there are lots of segregationists who were not happy with young white women loving Little Richard <laughs> and Chuck Berry. <laughs> but when Elvis came along, it was a whole different ball game. And of course, Baz Luhrmann can't, you know, there's only so much he can give you with, with over two hours. And actually I would love to see the footage that he cut i'm kind of curious to see what was you know put on the floor because i mean this movie was two hours and something so i'm yeah i'm i'm, I'm very interested to see what we didn't see what what was left out because the more detail you can give in the story the better elvis is close with his band when you first see him get ready to perform at this hayride uh, basically the movie tells you that or shows you that Colonel Tom Parker discovered him at this hayride and met him there. Okay, well, that's not actually what happened. Colonel Tom Parker did see him at the hayride, but he didn't meet Elvis till later on, not that night. But he did see him perform. Now, what's cool though is that you get to see Elvis's parents and his bandmates 
helping to get him ready for his performance. And he talked about how Jesse's watching. Jesse's Elvis Presley's uh, dead twin brother who died at birth. Um, and, and that was common knowledge that Elvis had a dead twin who didn't make it. So apparently Jesse came out first dead and the mother didn't know that they had one more child in there, which is Elvis. What I would have learned, what I would have loved to have learned is where, where, how did they come up with that name Elvis? I have to give Elvis Presley credit or his parents credit. That is such a unique name. How in the hell did you, was that name made up? Was that a family name? Where in the hell did that name come from? Elvis. E-L-V-I-S. It's a unique name. I mean, I mean, basically, he was... <laughs> apparently, he was born to be special. Just with that name. So, you know, I, I wanted to know about that name, why they named him that, where that came from. And that's a little detail that was overlooked. So... When he's getting ready to perform at the Hayride, first he's nervous and he's kind of, you know, he's, he's a little twitching a little bit. His family, you know, they pray with him. And next thing you know, he gets up on the stage. He's got a pink outfit on. And the guy basically like calls him a fairy. But Elvis isn't shook by that. He looks at the girls and he just starts singing. And he starts wiggling a little bit. And the girls like it. And then he goes... Uh, he moves back a little bit to talk to the band like what's going on and the guys are like the girls like it when you wiggle your hips they're like do more of it so he starts doing more of it and then the ladies start losing their mind and then the lady who helped book the gig for him the founder of Sun Records his wife she's even, she even starts screaming like the rest of the ladies when she sees him you know moving his you know, <laughs> thrusting his pelvis and moving his legs and just moving with rhythm and dancing you know, having a good time you know, it, it was the beginning of rock and roll hysteria. So, yeah, in that regard. <laughs> that was a fun scene. And all the guys are, are looking with their mouths dropped to the floor. Because they thought they were going to make fun of this guy dressed in pink. But this guy dressed in pink, he got the ladies moving and, crooning and, and, and swooning. So, that was a very powerful scene. When the Colonel and Elvis finally meet in this film... They're on a Ferris wheel ride. You find out that the Colonel has a background with the, working in the carnival. He's basically a con man. He he calls himself the snowman. He'll sell you the fantasy, sell you the dream. <laughs> so he finally gets to meet Elvis. They get on the Ferris wheel and they start talking. And the Colonel tells him that he wants to you know, manage him. The Colonel tells him that he sees greatness in him for the most part. And Elvis says, you know what? I haven't told anybody, but... Uh, you know, I see greatest in my, I see greatest in myself. I know I could be somebody special. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. Those aren't the exact words, but it's something to that to that effect. And their journey begins from there. And everywhere they he, they go, and Elvis and his band performs, they turn it out. Now, Colonel Tom Parker, before he was managing Elvis, he was managing this country singer named Hank Snow. Now, in the film, Hank Snow's son, who plays with him comes um, to a rehearsal uh, for his dad and he's playing the record Elvis is 45 and it's the first time the colonel hears it and they just assume it's a black guy and like oh they're not going to have a black guy you know, perform at the hayride and Hank Snow's son's like he's not black he's white and 
the look on the colonel's face is like a light bulb went off in his eyes. Like it's like he was salivating. <laughs> it was kind of creepy, but it, but it felt very realistic, you know. And now that you know that he's not black, it's a white guy doing black stuff. Oh, the money we can make with that. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> here we go. So. And that's when the colonel gets the idea, oh, I need to check this guy out, see what the fuss is about. So, and Hank Snow, like I said, he's a country singer, a good guy. He's got a nice little crowd, very conservative. Eventually, Elvis and his band winds up opening for Hank Snow, and he winds up stealing Hank Snow's crowd. Once that happens, Hank Snow's like, I want him off the tour. I fire him. And Hank Snow's son is just enamored with him. He's just like, hey, I want to be him. He starts trying to dress like him and sing like him. Which is interesting in itself. Yeah, I did. I I, I did like that. I really did. <laughs> Very interesting. So all that's happening. Now, we see scenes with, like I said, Little Richard performing, uh, and the talk about and BB King talking about how Sister Rosetta Tharp discovered Little Richard as a young boy. We don't really see BB King perform, but we see that Elvis and BB King are friends. And there's another artist named Arthur Big Boy Crudup, played by Gary Clark Jr. Actually, I didn't even realize it. And he has a great blues song called That's All Right. Of course, Elvis sees that, loves it, takes that song and makes basically makes his That's All Right Mama. So it's just like, I mean, Elvis just took all he could from black people and made it, you know, and, and flipped it and made it his own. I mean, just made, and it's just, it's a, uh, it's bizarre. It's just it's just crazy how that worked. I mean, there's a whole another conversation we can have about why that is. <laughs> All of that is a reason for for his ascension. What was cool too about watching this film was Elvis's interaction with his parents and the the small parts that we got from his parents. His mother was a, like seemed like a sweet lady. She was concerned that she she didn't necessarily want Elvis to become famous because she just kind of had a bad feeling about things. She didn't really want to rock the boat. She was kind of uh, overprotective and, and, and clingy when it came to Elvis. And his father Vernon was just kind of uh, well, I felt like he was weak. And I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead, but I felt like his father was just didn't have a lot of backbone and just wasn't really a go getter. When he and Elvis agreed to work together, the deal is 50-50, which is unheard of because no manager is supposed to get 50% profits from you. 20 to maybe 25, maybe 30%, standard 15 to 25% of what of what you make, not 50. So, but back then, you know, Elvis didn't really know about that. And he did make Elvis a rich man. But the colonel also had ulterior motives. And it, it's a while before you see it, because at first you see the ascension, you see all the things he does for Elvis. The shows sell out, he's all in the press. Sometimes the press is upset because they're like, oh, he, he likes that Negro music. He associates with the Negroes. That's in the press. <laughs> and he just keeps on turning it out wherever he plays. And eventually, like I said, you know, when he's opening up for Hank Snow, he winds up surpassing him with his show. 
And when the colonel tells Elvis that, hey, Hank wants me to get rid of you, and but I want to manage you, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to get rid of him and stick with you, which was a smart move for the colonel because it worked out. Elvis wound up doing movies. I guess he did over 30 movies. I wish they would spent more. I wish Baz Luhrmann would have spent more time, sh you know, showing some of, some more of that, showing him on a, at least one of the movies and some of the stars that he met. So there were definitely things missing that we didn't really get. But we do see some cool performances. We hear Suspicious Minds. We hear Hound, Hound Dog. We hear That's All Right. And I enjoyed hearing those songs. By the time we get to Elvis Presley doing his Vegas residency at the International, that was an eye-opener. Basically, Elvis Presley wanted to go overseas uh, to meet his fans and tour. And the colonel didn't want to, but he wouldn't tell him that. So he would, he would uh, try to make excuses so they wouldn't do it. Basically, it gets really deep. Watching this movie, I began to be empathetic to Elvis to some degree, because I realized that even though he basically culturally appropriated from black people to become famous, and you know, and, and there's, there's always going to be an issue with that because how can somebody who's not from the culture, who happens to be good, and learn how to benefit from the culture, how are you going to call him the king of of rock and roll when Chuck Berry and Little Richard and Fats Domino created rock and roll. And Sister Rosetta Tharp, actually. I mean, it goes back to her, really, as the queen of rock and roll. You know, be, she's before all of them. So, but how are you going to call this white dude from the South that? It's because that's what you wanted. So even though there was a problem with Elvis and his lewd dancing, once they eventually got over that, there was no problem anymore. All of a sudden, he became the king. You know, it's just a very racist thing that happened. That, that's why he'll always be a controversial figure in that regard but i have to say to be fair on the other hand was elvis presley a talented singer yes yes does he have some songs i like yes <laughs> yes <laughs> there were some songs that i wish they would have played like little less conversation oh and blue christmas i like that song too so now, another thing too, Elvis Presley made over 600 songs and there's no real talk about his records. You know, any signature records. What was, you know, what were the great classic Elvis Presley records? What was the turning point? What was his first record? Baz didn't go into that. So as much as he, he gave you a story, there were still some things he missed as a music lover or a fan of Elvis Presley. You know, he didn't give, he didn't give us essential albums. He didn't give us the turning point. I mean, you do see the Elvis stars to to do gospel towards the end of the film and I forgot about that and actually that's pretty cool that this rock star loved black music so much that he wanted to sing gospel and he did and apparently those records did well I did not know that Elvis Presley is the most successful solo recording artist of all time for selling records now another thing they didn't talk about you know Elvis Presley really didn't write any songs he like gets credits for he gets like co-writing credit for like maybe two songs but actually what wound up happening is when writers wanted Elvis to sing uh, their songs, it became mandatory that they give him half the credit, 50%, in order for him to sing it. So 
he made money that way off of publishing in that regard. But yeah, he really didn't write songs. He may have arranged things performing live, but he didn't really, he was a great performer. And that he was. That he was. So I have to give him credit for that. This movie, I I did enjoy it for the most part. I'm I'm not going to lie. Like I said, it, it made me feel bad for Elvis because what I realized is that all the rock stars from like the 50s who had, who made a dent basically were basically were all like getting ripped off it wasn't just the black rock and rolls that we knew about elvis presley who they even called the king was getting ripped off by his own manager the colonel and that comes to light later on down the line but you see the struggle the push and pull between them and it's played out perfectly in the movie i mean because first elvis trusts the colonel and it's working, but then other things start to happen. And Elvis is like, wait a minute. And he starts to get other perspectives. And he starts, you know, when you get a young boy who winds up becoming a man, he's gonna have his own thoughts and views. And there was some pushback. And And it plays out perfectly in this film. And there's, Battles won and wars lost. I'll say that much. I'll also say, though, that with this film, heroes and villains, like I said, and Elvis Presley was both, and so was the Colonel, which is, which to me is fascinating because I never really watched a film where the two main characters were both of those. One's usually the protagonist and one's usually the antagonist, but to me, they were both, they, they overlapped with that. And also, when he got with Priscilla Presley, Baz Luhrmann totally skates the whole age thing. It's well documented that when he first met Priscilla Presley, she was 14. And he's like 10 years older than her. So yeah, like 24. So now allegedly, apparently, according to Priscilla Presley's book, she was 21 when they got married and he was like 32. All that gets skated in the, in the movie. Like I said, the whole fact that she's 14 when they first meet. So yeah, that's another part that's this, this missing. I mean, that, that they don't really talk about. I enjoyed this film. Like I said, Austin Butler was amazing. Uh, he really was Elvis. I just, I was, I was lost in his performance. And like I said, by the time that I, you get to see the real Elvis towards the end, and with most of these biopics now, by the end of the film, they always show you the real person. I, you know, I almost didn't believe it because I was so used to looking at Austin Butler's Elvis. That's how good of a job they did with his makeup and his performance. It was excellent. There are other things that happened too, like Dr. King's death and Bobby Candy's death in the film and how that affected Elvis. And, you know, there's a, a protest song that Elvis wrote. So, but the thing is, yes, he wrote that protest song. The movie had you believe that it was written after... Bobby Kennedy's death, but no, the protest song was actually written after Dr. King's death. It was inspired by that. This is definitely a film worth watching. It's intriguing, and you get to see that it wasn't all roses for Elvis Presley, and the person that made him was also the person that was breaking him, and that's the sad part of it. But it's a great, it's a good film.
I still have so much more to say about this Elvis film. First and foremost, Colonel Tom Parker, he knew that Elvis came from a humble background, that his parents were good-hearted people. Um, you know, yeah, they were poor people, but, you know, they had heart and they, you know, just working class, just trying to, to, to live and survive. And I feel like Colonel Tom Parker took advantage of that. He knew how to manipulate. I mean, he, but basically he kind of warned Elvis, hey, I'm a snowman. I snow people. And one of the things he does when he's convincing Elvis to sign with him is that he tells them, well, we'll start, you know, Elvis Presley Enterprises. And he says, your dad can be the business manager. Now, Vernon Presley didn't know anything about being a business manager. But when you tell that to Elvis and you say it in front of his dad and his mom, of course they're going to go for it. And, you know, he's got the title, but Colonel Tom Parker is pulling all the strings, just doing whatever he wants. And when I'm watching the film and I'm seeing this, I'm thinking to myself, and this is the time where if Elvis Presley's dad was Joe Jackson from the Jackson 5, he would have kept Colonel Tom Parker in line. <laughs> he would have kept Colonel Tom Parker in line. Now, another thing that... The movie does show that Elvis has a drug problem, and it shows it in a very gradual way. Like one of his bandmates gives him a pill for a stress, and later on down the line in the film, you see him just popping pills. But when he pops the pills, he does it very casually. So you don't necessarily think, oh, he's taking drugs, but that's what he's doing. So Baz Luhrmann was very uh, clever in how he portrayed that. He didn't go over the top, but I feel like it was also kind of underwhelming when he did that. But by the time you get towards the end of the film, you realize that Elvis has this doctor, I think it's Dr. Nick, who was on tour with him, who gives Elvis and his fellas whatever they need. And Michael Jackson had a doctor who did that for him, and then Michael Jackson died. Wow. So it's just the parallels there. Yeah. And when they get to Elvis's death, they don't really go into detail about it. They tell you he died from a heart attack. They don't talk about the various different drugs, 16 to 23, something like that. They're in Elvis's system when he died. So that's missed. The performances that Austin Butler did as, as Elvis were amazing. When they performed Suspicious Minds at the International, I enjoyed the song, but it was weird because at the same time they're playing the song, I'm thinking about how the colonel is just shady and how Elvis is starting to see that. So when I hear that song, it all kind of came together. And I don't know if Baz Luhrmann did that on purpose or not, but that's what I got from it. So every time that song was playing, I'm thinking, is Elvis, is he throwing shade at the colonel right now? Because <laughs> I felt like it was perfect for that. Now, there's a song from Doja Cat in the film and a song at the end from Eminem in the film in the credits. I thought it was interesting that they used, you know, some pop and some hip-hop uh, in the film. But I think Baz is known for doing stuff like that anyway. So that's kind of cool. So I, I am looking forward to hearing the soundtrack and picking it up. Especially if Austin Butler is singing. I don't know if he's singing for real on the soundtrack or not, but I definitely want to check it out. But as I was saying before, I, I wanted to know more about certain records from Elvis. I wanted to, them to talk about how he made over 600 songs he recorded and talk about, you know, were his gospel songs successful? And when you go to the record stores, when you look at Elvis Presley's catalog, you see the gospel stuff along with the rock and roll stuff. 
And there's only a few people who've done stuff like that, like him, Aretha Franklin. Yeah, those were things that I, I wanted more of. Talking about his parents earlier, what I want to say is that the psychology of his parents was very fascinating. The director, Bass Lerman, he shed some light on that. He shines some light on that for you. So like I said, when you see his interaction with his parents, you understand why his relationship with Colonel Tom Parker worked for as long as it did. He, had, he was a strong presence. Like I said, he, he made Elvis and he broke Elvis at the same time. And watching the film, especially towards the end, when you see his residency in Vegas, you know, it was an eye-opener. It, it really was. I can't believe I'm saying this because I, I, I'm going to be buying that film because I was intrigued at what I saw. And, you know, when there's someone that I don't usually care for and you do a story about this person and I watch it and you make me have some type of empathy for this person, you've done a good job. And Baz Lerman in that way did a great job. Did he make a, a film that was entertaining, that made you want to know more about Elvis? Yes. Could he have given you more to lure you in even more about Elvis? Yes, he could have. Like I said, talking about the records, showing him on the movie set on a particular movie, at least for a good 15, 20 minutes, interacting with the actresses and actors. You know, his his well-known affair with Anne Margaret. I mean, there was there was different things they could have done. And you could have talked about Priscilla Presley being 14, but you know, there is a reason why they didn't, and I get that. But you know, that's well documented that you met her at 14 years old. And then you waited for her to get older when you marry her. You know, that's that's all interesting stuff. And you could have shown some more of his whole army time, too. There's things in this film that, like I said, when it comes to biopics, you know, you're lucky if they're, I'll say, you're lucky if they're 75 to 85% accurate. Because <laughs> they do it in such a way where you think, oh, this is what happened. But you may find, well, no, that's not what happened. I think to myself, well, why'd you show me that? Give me, give me as close to the truth as you can. Don't be afraid. But the narrative that he wove, Baz Luhrmann, was still intriguing. Especially, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to see him acknowledge Sister Rosetta Tharp in there, who's the queen of rock and roll, who's the, basically the originator of it. And the guy who played Little Richard, wow. And his name is Alton Mason. He did a great job. He really did. And Yola played Sister Rosetta Tharp. She was great. Shanka Dukura played Big Mama Thornton. She was great. So you showed us things, but like I said, instead of coming out and being like, hey, okay, he basically took these songs, stole them, and got paid off of them, you showed all his influences. And the way you do it, it flows that way. But that's what makes the film problematic in a sense. So like I said before, you know, I'm divided on this film. I, I like the film in a certain way and then there's the parts about the film that I don't like <laughs> it's honest and it's not honest it's you know like the heroes and villains so like I said you know Elvis was a hero because he rebelled against the colonel when he could and he rebelled against society you know because they didn't want him to <laughs> he did the Milton Burrow show and he was you know wiggling his waist and you know the crap I loved it but everyone was like oh my god why did he do that he can't do that again so they're like well, you can go on Steve Allen, but you can't do that. So they put him in a tux 
and made him sing to a hound dog. And of course, people were angry about that. They didn't like that. And they, but the colonel was all for it. It's like, oh, this is the new Elvis. And the fans didn't want the new Elvis. They wanted the Elvis they already knew and loved. The guy who was risque, the guy who would get up on stage and dance and wiggle his waist and get the girls excited. Yeah, that's what they wanted. And you do see segregated crowds enjoying Elvis. And you do see Elvis go to the black neighborhood, like on Bill Street, and a lot of black people who are fans, and he signed out autographs. So yeah, you do see that. I mean, in the beginning of his career, basically, the young people, period, loved liked Elvis. And, and they do show that. So, And that was important to show. Because we can't front and say that he didn't have fans that were black. Because he did. <laughs> He did. He had fans all over the country that loved him, you know, definitely. It's just that, you know, he's a complicated figure. And this movie does a, a good job of of showing his talent and showing more of his power struggles. It didn't really show his demons the way they should. They, they started to get there towards the end, but they didn't follow through completely. That's why, like I said earlier, I would love to see what was cut from the film to see if that would have added more. Because what makes these biopics even better is when you give me the complete range. You give me the good and the bad. That's what makes it something that is compelling. Don't sugarcoat it. And uh, there, was, there was some sugar added to it. <laughs> but even though there was some sugar added to it, it's still worth seeing because there were still things about Elvis I didn't know. And once I learned that, I said, oh, okay. Well, that wasn't on him. So, and I found myself saying, after watching this film too, that Elvis Presley was like a lot of musicians and singers in the, in, in, in the United States who on paper, you look at their background and you say, oh, they're not gonna make it. They're gonna be a failure. But in reality, they surpassed all that they were a success despite their background despite their humble beginnings and upbringing despite what the world had thrown towards them he was successful because he was driven and ambitious and hardworking. Now, another thing too the movie didn't talk about so you they briefly go into sun records and elvis having a uh a, a contract with sun records that basically got bought out by rca records but you didn't show that famous scene with Elvis and Johnny Cash and some other cats in the studio going over songs and music. Johnny Cash and Elvis knew each other. They could have gone more into that. And like I said, you could have also talked about how when people first heard Elvis on the radio, they thought he was black. Same with Buddy Holly. Because, you know, initially, the rock and roll was created by black people. So, and, and the whole thing about the whites thought he sounded too black and the blacks thought he sounded too country. How you couldn't win, you know. <laughs> so, those were things that could have been talked about. So, on a scale of one to ten, in regards to this film, I give it like a seven. Yeah, you know, I give it like a seven because I was engaged. Um, if anything, I wanted more, especially towards the end when it started to get even better. I wanted to to go really deep into his demons, but you do see, like I said, Elvis was a hero in the sense that he always wanted to be himself 
and it got to a point where you had to push back. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna stop dancing on stage and giving the people what they want. And he did that. He did. You know, the villainous part was that he <laughs> he just took and took from black music. <laughs> but the hero part was that he gave the fans what they wanted and that he did stand up to the colonel when he needed to, to an extent. And he made the fans happy. You know, he did love the music. So, and he did love his family and his friends. And he always tried to do right by them. If anything, it felt like a lot was being taken from him that people didn't know about. Like I said earlier, you know, I often wonder, had he, you know, Joe Jackson was the father and business manager and the manager of the Jacksons, you know, and yeah, he's a controversial figure too. Some say that he was too strict and too harsh, but he made them boys into stars. And he knew where the money was going. And Vernon, Vernon loved his wife and he loved his son. He wasn't a bad person, but he just, you know, the way, the way he's portrayed in this film, he just didn't have the backbone and he just didn't realize the true weight of responsibility he had as being his son's business manager. And that allowed Colonel Tom Parker to do whatever he wanted. So, like I said, towards towards the end of the film, it gets even it, it gets better and it gets more interesting, and you find yourself, you know, rooting because you want Elvis to to really be free. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't want to give it away. And by the time you get to Vegas, it, it starts to get deep. So definitely check it out. Like I said, Austin Butler, he definitely should be nominated for Academy Award. He killed that. He killed it. He was Elvis. He was, can't lie. And Tom Hanks did a great job as Colonel Tom Parker. Cause I, I just wanted to choke him. I really did. <laughs> so yeah, scale of one to 10, I give this film, like I said, a seven. Six and a half to a seven. It's like a C plus B minus. Cause there's more that could have been said, you know? And I wanted to see what, what, what gospel album, how many gospel albums that he made that, you know, were successful just what were his classic records you didn't go into that and what were the inspirations behind them you know we didn't get that and his meeting with the Beatles we didn't get that how he didn't really care for the Beatles and how the Beatles basically made him obsolete after a while because they took over the Beatles and the Stones and we never got that you know he met with President Richard Nixon we don't get that there's so many different parts of Elvis's life that we don't really get and how did he get into those famous outfits of the 70s? I do have to admit that there are some scenes in this film that are not that believable <laughs> to me that feel like co-opting in itself. Like the scene, it's even in the trailer where you see a young Elvis, he might be 10 or maybe a little bit older and younger, and he, and he sneaks into a revival tent where he sees this church, you know, of, of, of black people celebrating and getting the Holy Spirit, and he's drawn in. The next thing you know, he's receiving it too. 
and his friends, his black friends are trying to get him to to get out and people in church are like, no, he's receiving the spirit. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> and then when you see him singing, that's all right, mama. And you see there's a also in that same frame right next to him, you see Arthur Big Boy Crudup singing his original blues version right next to him. And you're supposed to think, oh, this is just Elvis being influenced and just paying homage. Yeah, nah, man, nah. So I'm going to say this film, actually, I'm going to go back and, and uh, revisit my rating. If I were to grade this film, it'd be like a C plus B minus. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go. So, which means on a scale of one to 10, I'm going to give it like a six and a half. So, because the direction is good, the cinematography is great, and Austin Butler, he is Elvis Presley. Definitely. But there's good stuff, and there's just, it's just, there's stuff missing, even to support the pro Elvis of the film. And there's stuff that's necessary, that's controversial, but true, that should be in there. Like I said, the fact that Priscilla was 14 when he really met her, little things like that, and the fact that his drug problem was a lot bigger than what they really let on, and how it led to his demise. Those things need to be talked about and shown. I mean, it doesn't make people love him any any less. He was a complicated talented person like so many different artists that's all so you know you could have shown that so yeah like i said man, six and a half out of ten c plus b minus basically for a rating in that regard <laughs> yeah we'll go with that in regards to the office film directed by Baz Luhrmann starring Austin Butler and Tom Hanks good they had great chemistry I said there was oh and in regards to when I say heroes and villains Colonel Tom Parker was Elvis's hero in the beginning because he got him out of the projects and got him into basically like a big mansion uh, for his family he showed Elvis that his talent could take him somewhere and it did and the control and the trust that Elvis gave Colonel Tom Parker paid off until it didn't in regards to Colonel Tom Parker felt basically that he was always right even when he was wrong and that became a problem that's when he became a, a, the villain his manipulation and his con of Elvis and his family and you see that it's subtle at first and then it's not so subtle later when you watch the film so thanks again for listening good people of the planet earth and the known universe once again, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please mark it as one of your favorites. And until next time, see you somewhere out in space.